I want you to think a little bit about any lessons that you learned from your mom. Did your mom teach you to tie your shoes? And I know a lot of kids go a long time before they have to tie shoes. We have Velcro and stuff. But but did your mom teach you how to do that? Did your mom teach you any of the simple things in life? Some of you um, who are now adults, uh, did you learn to cook from your mom? Did you get some lessons from her on that? What were some of the lessons that she taught you? I think I told you about one of the lessons I learned from my mother that I remember very clearly. Uh, The first song I ever played on any instrument my mother taught me. She taught me how to get to a piano and play chopsticks. I got to learn that song and my mom showed me how that was done. I remember that lesson very well and I, I've been able to play it even now if I had to, wanted to. I could jump on that piano and make her ring out, man, chopsticks. I could do it. And that was something that my mom has taught me. I want you to watch this little video, if you will, uh, with that in mind as a foundation. Think about how uh, your moms have taught you in your life. I thought about this, I think when moms are at their best doing the things that only moms do, they are showing us a side of God. It is a portrait for us, his protection, his comfort. They love in ways that dads can't. Sorry, dads, I'm not putting you down. I trust me, we're going to have our day. Okay, today's not that day. 
But when moms are at their best, yes, moms are humans and they fail and they come up short and they have moments when they don't show us God. Right. But all those moments when they are at their best, it's a wonderful picture for us. It's a wonderful portrait of the God that we love because moms were created in the image of God and moms were giving given abilities by our creator to be moms. That comes from a great God. And when moms are at their best of being a mom, it is a little glimpse, I think, into what God's love looks like and the way that God works in our lives. We're going to look at a mom today as we go through our scripture lesson. We're going to find Jesus pretty far from where he originated. And he has some very uncomfortable traveling companions. And I'll get to that in just a moment. We're going to Matthew chapter 15. And we'll begin our reading with verse 21. Matthew 15, 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. And he replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Jesus and his disciples were about 100 miles north of Jerusalem as the crow flies. He was in a region of a rather large seaport city called Tyre. It was in the area of Sidon. It was a strong economic area, boistered by mostly an import and export enterprise. So it wasn't uncommon for people from other countries to be in this seaport area. But the disciples, as far as they were concerned, and Jesus were finding themselves in dog country. That's what the Jews thought about the inhabitants of Tyre and Sidon. For this was the land of the Canaanites, ancestors of bitter enemies of Israel. And suffice it to say, the two cultures didn't like each other at all. I I said it here to you, and Jesus uh, certainly emphasized it. The Jews considered Canaanites and the ancestors of Canaanites to be on the level of a dog. And that's how uh, the Jews treated the Canaanite people. If a Canaanite came into Jerusalem, they were not received well. They were not treated well because they were subhuman as far as the Jews were concerned. And you can just about imagine how the Canaanites were feeling about this band of people from from Jerusalem walking through Tyre there that day. I I imagine you could uh, tense the racial tension and the cultural tension between these two groups of people. More than likely, Jesus' traveling companions were way out of their comfort zone. I don't think they liked that Jesus took them there. I know they weren't enjoying the trip up to this point. I can kind of see evidence of it in this account of what happened. 
Now, I need to clear something up for you because I know when I read Scripture every once in a while, and this is certainly the case when I read this story at first, it hit me like it it put a big question mark in my mind. In fact, there are several questions as I read this at first. And one of the things is, why would Jesus call anybody a dog? I want to clear this up if I can. Something about verse 26. And when when he says this, and I need you to hear me say this. Jesus Christ was never a racist and he's not a racist now. He lovely created every single person on this planet in his image. He loves all people. And the Bible is clear that he doesn't make distinctions in people on racial lines or cultural lines or economic lines, nor does he distinguish between people on a basis of whether they are male or female, young, old, slave or free. He loves all. He died for all. And to interrupt myself for just a second, church, we better too. We need to love every single person, value every single person, because every person we encounter is a creation of the Lord God and a careful creation to uh, to boot. God is so involved in every person's creation and their value, and he loves them together equally. He doesn't look at this person and say, well, I'm going to make this person's skin light, so I'm going to love them more. I'm going to make this person's skin darker, and I'm going to love them more. Praise God, Jesus is is not a racist. He doesn't look at Jewish people and say, I love them more than anybody else on earth. People misread the Bible and they believe that that's how God is. But that is not how God is. He loves the world. God so loved the world that he sent his son. So we need to understand that Jesus here wasn't, in fact, racist at all. Although what he said appears to be very ugly, he had a point in bringing this to light. I believe, like many biblical scholars that I've read about uh, in commentaries and other places uh, about this instance, I believe that Jesus was using this moment to confront the ugly racism that existed in the hearts of his own followers and existed in the culture of the people that he was around. I think it was on both sides that he was trying to illustrate something. I believe also he was testing a woman's faith. And demonstrating it to his followers and to any who would see it. I feel sure that Jesus would never degrade this woman in in an effort just to put her down or to put her in a place of feeling less than valued. Because Jesus did not do that to people. He does not do that to people. He wasn't denigrating her or the culture that she was part of, but I believe rather teaching through this. They're in the midst of a very busy seaport. A lot of things going on. There's a lot of noise on a seaport. Even before the days of machinery, there's a lot of noise there as they're they're moving things and selling things and exporting and importing. And there's just a lot of bustle and hustle. And Jesus is with his band of followers, his disciples. They're traveling through the area. And suddenly there's a woman there, a Canaanite woman. And let me just throw this out in culture, in ancient culture. It wasn't appropriate for a woman to to yell out to a man. I'm not saying that's proper, but that was culture. So this woman's boldness in the very first place to be crying out to Jesus, this mother's boldness seemed out of place. And she begins to yell, Jesus, son of David. That would be like somebody using your full name. 
So there's no mistaking who she's talking to. It'd be like somebody seeing me walk down the street, and I'm a little bit embarrassed to say this, Francis Kenneth Dusa, okay? It, that, that's, that's what it would, yeah, laugh, I know. I have my father Francis shirt on and everything. So, so anyway, um, I know, I know how it is. But, but, but th- that would be analogous to this. Jesus, son of David. There was no mistake in who she was talking to, and she's crying out to him, I need you to have mercy on me. I need you to help me. My daughter is in trouble. We see a mother being a mother. We see a mom being bold and crossing all kinds of cultural taboos to get help. And there's some lessons that I think we can learn from this mother. Yes, they may apply to motherhood, and I believe they do. But I believe they apply to all of us universally when we are in a situation where we need something from God. So I'm asking you, put your listening ears on. Don't sit back there and cross your arms and say, I ain't no mom and, and, and tune me out. Okay, there might be something that might help you too. So do your best to tune me in. Here are the lessons that I would suggest that we can learn from this mother. Something that she can teach us today. First thing that I see here is that she brought her child's need to Jesus. She brought her need to Jesus. Now, all of us have probably heard this expression. um, He has a face that only a mother can love. Isn't a mother's love amazing? Now, I have to be honest with you. 99.9% of the babies that I have seen have been adorable. And thank God for it, right? Thank God that babies are so cute. And I love, I love seeing little babies. But every once in a while, somebody has an ugly baby. On the house, is it. The child's just not very cute, but you can't tell his mother or her mother that. That baby is the most beautiful thing that has ever been created. In moments of, 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 of seclusion away from their wives, I've had a few husbands say, man, when usually their first child, when that baby came out, I was like really concerned. They would then talk to me about the shape of the baby's head and the purpleness of the baby's skin. And they said, it wasn't very attractive. Good thing it got cuter. You know, I mean, I, I, I know, but I love a mother's love. Don't you? A mother loves a child no matter what. Even when a child is being ugly. Have you ever been in an airport or in an airplane or at some other public place in a restaurant trying to just relax and enjoy your day? And a kid is being a jerk. Come on now. I'm preaching where the rubber is hitting the road right now. We've been there. And don't you fib to me and tell me that you didn't think to yourself, why doesn't that mother just yank that child up and beat the stuffings out of it? I mean, we've all felt that. If that were my kid, I'd beat that child. But a mother loves that child. I can remember saying to my my sons, uh, listen, no matter what you ever become, No matter how you live your life, you will be my son and I will love you. And I will tell you, I have a great love for my children. And I think my children know that I love them. I'm pretty sure that they are convinced that I have a great deal of love for them. But let me tell you, I don't think there's any greater human capacity love than the love that a mother has for their children. Both of my boys, if you pulled them aside and talked to them and said, who loves you the most? They would say, Mom, why do you think on these Football games, these big, burly, 300-pound men go, Hi, Mom. (laughs) Why? It's not because they don't love their dads. It's because nobody loves them like their mom loves them, right? And my youngest son will proudly 
tell you, I'm a grade A, 100% mama's boy. She's not, he's not ashamed of that. That's a badge of honor for him. He loves his mother and he's unashamed of it. And it's okay to be a mama's boy as long as you're not a sissy. Can't, can't do that, guys. Come on, man. Man up. Man up. Don't be a sissy, but be a mama's boy. It's a good thing to love that your mother loves you. And I've just seen this, this, this love in mothers. And, you know, looking at that, that video and considering the fact that when a mom is loving at her best, it's probably from a human's ability, from a capacity standpoint, there's probably no love that is greater than a mother's love for their children. I mean, what mother wouldn't give their life willingly, quickly for their child? A good mother wouldn't even think about it. It wouldn't even be close. Talk about getting yourself. I, I said this last week. Talk about getting yourself in a world of hurt. Mess with somebody's kid. Bad enough when dad's around, but mess with a mama's kid. Something bad's going to happen to you, okay? And I know that's bad grammar, but something bad is going to happen to you. Because mama bear doesn't play, okay? She'll give her life for a child without even thinking about it. That's who she is. And it's not by accident, I think, that the Lord said in Scripture, as a mother protects, so will I protect you. He didn't say as a father protects there. Because, oh, it's bad when dad's involved. It's bad. It's worse when mama's there. Because of their love, the intensity of their love. Here's a lady who comes to Jesus. And she is suffering. Because when a mother's child is suffering, the mother feels it deeply too. And this woman is in anguish. And she gets before Jesus. And she crosses all kinds of cultural taboos. To bring the need of her baby to Jesus Christ. This lady's daughter is demon possessed. That's torture. That's horrible. It manifests itself mentally. And it manifests itself physically. And it manifests itself spiritually. When a person is demon possessed. It is torture. They are prisoners. They are in agony. It is a horrible thing to be possessed by a demon. And this woman saw the after effects. I have no doubt that this woman, when this first began to manifest itself, probably especially since she was a Canaanite, had taken this child to doctors. Had maybe later taken this child to other religious leaders. And they probably put this child through things, trying to get rid of the evil spirit that is inside of this child. But today, she is kneeling before Jesus and bringing the child that she loves before the Lord. And the need of the child before the Lord. And let me just say this to you. She was not going to be denied. Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. Help me. Help my child. And honestly, I don't think she cared if people didn't like the fact that she was making a lot of noise. Because what was on her mind is to get her daughter delivered get her from the torture that she was going through i don't know how long this had been going on in the daughter's life but it would stand the reason this woman had exhausted resources and exhausted other ways to get this girl help we're not told how this woman some 100 miles away from jesus hometown knew to seek his help we're not told about it perhaps somehow some way Jesus was 
I mean, um, the woman was present when Jesus had cast demon out of somebody else. Because Jesus did this a lot in his, his ministry. He cast demons out of people. That's, he commanded and they had to let go. They had to go. And maybe she heard about the, the pigs and the story of this man possessed by a legion of demons and Jesus releasing this man from the demons and the demons going into the pigs. I don't know, but something in her heart told her, Jesus can help my baby. And so she brought her need. She brought her child to the Lord Jesus Christ. She put her faith in him and believed that he was able to do it. She just somehow knew that Jesus could help this baby. Enough said. Our lesson here is something we need to always know in our hearts. My friends, Jesus is the problem solver. Jesus is the one to bring your needs to or your children's needs to. Jesus does the impossible. He knows what's unknown. He cures the incurable. He moves the unmovable. He touches the untouchable. He reaches the unreachable. If you are lost, Jesus can find you. If you are bound, he can set you free. If you are afraid, he knows how to comfort you. He knows how to rescue you when you're in trouble. And if you have chains, Jesus Christ can break them for you. That's the point that we need to remember. Jesus can do these things. He's Jesus. So he can change water into wine. He can calm a storm. He can raise the dead. Jesus has the power to cast a stupid demon out of somebody's life. He has that kind of power. So here's what I want to say to you, mothers. And who I and I I will speak to all of us in a moment. Mothers, some of you here, some of you here are heartbroken today because your child's not where the child needs to be. Your child is bound. Your child is lost. Your child is messed up in the way that they're living their lives. I need you to know that God formed your child in your womb. According to Psalm 139, he was present when you conceived. And he put the spark of life in your womb. And he stayed there to knit your child together. And as much as you love your child, he loves them more. As well as you know your child, he knows them better. And Jesus can set your child free. Don't stop praying for them. Bring them to the Lord and continue to bring them to the Lord. Keep seeking the one who can set them free. I have absolute respect for the mental health uh, professionals who help us along the way. I thank God for that field of study and for the way that cognitive therapy and various things can help us. But I will say to you that they can only go so far. Jesus can deliver people even from the grips of a demon. He has that kind of power. He can heal. He can deliver. He can break chains. He can set people free. Addiction isn't a match for Jesus Christ. Jesus can do that kind of thing. And this woman knew it. She did the right thing. She brought her child to the highest of the high. The greatest of the great. There is no better source than Jesus Christ. And there's no way, brothers and sisters... That I know how to calculate the influence and the redemptive power of a praying mother. Oh, a mother's prayer 
is powerful. Maybe because it's fueled by a love, again, that fathers, fathers can touch. But fathers don't have the same capacity of love that a mother does. I, I really believe that. And I believe it comes from God. I think uh, it's not stretching things at all to assert that praying mothers have altered the course of history. Because they have lifted their child up to the Lord God. I've heard several testimonies of great godly people. As they have talked about days when they weren't so godly. And they weren't living right before the Lord. And they heard their mother praying for them. And it altered everything for them. It changed them. The the fervent prayer of a righteous man. And forgive the little bit adaptation here the fervent prayer of a righteous mother avails much so i want to say to you take your child's need in prayer to the lord and trust in him he is able to deliver them he is able to do more for them than you can do it your lectures won't work i know i'm really good about lecturing doesn't work your your pleas may not penetrate their heart But Jesus Christ will. So pray for them. Lift them up to the Lord. If your heart is heavy for a child today, believe Jesus Christ can make all of the difference. My very best memory of my mother is the day that she prayed for me. That was the last day I was with her. It was the last time I got to see her. The last words of my mother were in the form of a prayer that I heard, uh, with the exception of when she was done praying, her saying thank you to me and then telling me she loved me. But those were the most powerful moments for me. It was the one and only time I ever heard my mother pray for me. It was a powerful, beautiful prayer. And God, I, I carry this around as a gift in my heart, in my mind. It brought so much healing to me to hear my mother calling out to God on my behalf. So I say to you moms, don't ever underestimate the power of the loving prayers that you lift up for your child. God hears those. And they matter. Bring your child's need to Jesus Christ. What a great lesson for us. The second lesson all of us need to hear this is is this woman negotiated past obstacles. She moved through some obstacles. And what I mean by this is the woman had some reasons to feel discouraged and to just slip away in sadness. She could have walked away and gone empty handed. But I love the fact that she negotiated past some obstacles to see that her daughter was set free. Obstacle number one is found in verse 23. It was one of them that put the big question mark here. It is this. She's pleading to Jesus. She's calling out to Jesus. And verse 23 tells us that Jesus did not answer her did not answer a word can anybody here relate have you ever cried out to jesus and heard nothing in response have you ever entertained the thought that jesus wasn't even hearing what you were praying have you ever wondered in your heart does he care about me does this matter to him that's an obstacle Have you ever questioned whether or not you've offended him in some way to the point where he's not going to listen to you? That's an obstacle to negotiate past. This woman wasn't hearing go away. This woman wasn't hearing no. She was just not hearing. And Jesus wasn't being cruel to this woman. I need you to understand. He knew the character of this woman. He knew the determination of this woman. And he was using this moment to teach others 
about faith and persistence. And so she didn't stop. Jesus wasn't paying attention to her, but it didn't make her stop. She negotiated right past the obstacle of the Lord's silence. What did she do to get past? She kept asking. She just kept yelling. She kept calling out. Jesus hadn't said no to her. Jesus hadn't told her to go away. Jesus had not answered yet. So she just kept going. So listen to me, please. Here's our lesson for this. Pray until you get an answer. Don't take silence as the answer. Keep on praying. Wait until the Lord makes it clear to you what he his will is. Don't stop seeking him. Don't stop asking. In fact, she prayed so hard and so long, called out to the Lord so much that it got on the disciples' nerves. Remember, they were prejudiced against the Canaanites. They didn't like her in the first place. She had a lot of nerve to be speaking to a group of men. Who does she think she is? Maybe she's a harlot. And all these things are going through her minds. And remember what they thought of this woman. She's a dog. That's how they viewed her. And yeah, it got on their nerves. And they finally went to Jesus and say, Would you tell her I'm going to translate this as if I were translating the, the, the scripture, will you tell her to shut up? She just won't stop. She just keeps crying. She keeps hollering. Make her stop. What a moment for the Lord to show that this woman had every bit as much value as Peter did. Jesus loved her as much as he loved Andrew. And Jesus was able to show this and demonstrate this. And so she kept on asking It was Jesus, after all, who told us to ask and you will receive the answer. Seek and you will find. Knock until the door opens up. It's all right to keep praying until you get the answer, folks. In fact, it's biblical. Oh, I pray you capture a hold of this because too many of us have given up too soon and say, well, I I could go on vacation and a good one. If I had a dollar for every time somebody said to me, I prayed and God didn't hear me. I could go on a really nice vacation. If you want to give me a dollar for every time that happened, I'll be okay. I'll like it very much. I'll take a nice vacation. And I'm just saying what that really says, not all the time, but almost every time is I stopped asking. I gave up. And the Lord didn't say no. The Lord gave silence to test our resolve and our faith because prayers work in a powerful way. And I'll come back to that in another moment. But she overcame the obstacle. She kept on asking. The second obstacle is how the disciples reacted to the woman. And you heard what I said about it. He, they wanted her to go away. But frankly, I don't think the woman cared very much about what the disciples were thinking of her. She negotiated right past those feelings of prejudice, those feelings of how others feel about her calling out to God. Pray, pray, pray. Can I just stop and tell you that if you are going to truly believe that this is the word of God, not a guide, not some of it, all of it. If you subscribe, if you're in the growing minority that believes that this is the word of God and it is to be taken as our authority. If you stand on that in American culture, more and more people are going to criticize you for that. There are entire communities who say you're out of your mind. There are communities of, and I'm, watch my hands, 
scientists who are going to tell us that they can prove to us that this is not real. Let them. I'm not trying to sound angry here, but if you believe in this and you stand on this and you unapologetically go after Jesus, be ready for people in your life to say you're nuts. Something's wrong with you. Your faith is misplaced. You need to trust in this. There are so many attempts to debunk the word of God or devalue the word of God. And here's one man who will die loving the word of God. And you don't need me as your pastor if you don't want the word of God preached. It's the only thing I will preach because it's what I believe in. I believe it is God's word and I believe it is as it should be to us. And I'm going to tell you that you cannot let that be an obstacle of your faith. When other people look at you and they want to show you junk science and all kinds of other things to debunk your the word of God. All I can say to them is let God be the truth teller and every man a liar. And that's something we need to know. He even knows the reference, Romans 3, 4. It's the truth for us and it's the truth for me and for this woman. Here's what she knew. Jesus knew how to help her daughter. And so let the disciples think what they want. Let them criticize me. I'm going to keep crying out. Until I'm turned away or God does something for me. So don't let people and their opinions of you stop you from loving Jesus. Don't be embarrassed uh, for loving the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't be embarrassed for uh, believing in Jesus Christ. One more obstacle that this woman had uh, to negotiate past was his reply to her in verse 24 when he said, and he answered, and it's a two-part reply, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Again, big question mark came up when I read that because we know that Jesus died for the world. But he was testing her again, and he used this statement to draw out the woman's fate. Her way of negotiating this, this statement was, and I love this, it's one of the most beautiful moments. She came and she worshipped at his feet. She, she knelt right before him. She had called out and called out. Jesus hadn't responded to her. Finally, he looked at her, and the answer he gives her was, well, I was sent for the Israelites. And look what she did. What a powerful, beautiful thing. I, I, I need to get you here for a minute. She came to the feet of Jesus and humbled herself. Can I tell you? That the Lord is drawn to a person who does that. Because in doing that, she acknowledged who Jesus was. That was the moment. You are the Lord of Lords. You are the God of gods. And I worship you. Whatever else you do, Jesus, I'm at your feet. And I'm asking for help. I need you to hear me. When we get angry at God... Because he's not doing things the way we think he should do them as fast as we think he should do them in the way that we think he should do them. When we do that, we're just hurting ourselves. If we will instead humble ourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may lift us up in due season. God can do something then. She cleared every obstacle on her knees. When she got before the Lord and said, you're the Lord. And it's not my way, Jesus. It's your way. Please, please help me. That was the moment when God was able to do something God-sized. It cleared every obstacle. Everything was out of the way. Can I just interject something too? Remember what this woman was praying about. 
there was a demon possessing her daughter. And the Bible says of us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Our enemy is not a human being. Our, the power working against your soul, blinding and destroying us, is not a human being. The power doing that is a powerful dark force. And you wrestle against that. Here's how you defeat that power. You get before the Lord and you worship him and you acknowledge him. You turn your back on that power and the devil has to flee. That was the moment when everything turned and there on her knees. Then Jesus went to the rest of his statement to challenge her about her faith and talk to her about not feeding or giving the bread of the children of Israel to the dogs. I'll come to that in just a moment. I will say this to you. Many godly women have felt the pain and the helplessness of watching their children in the grip of evil power. A power that seemingly is dragging them, their child, straight into the pit itself. And many of those women have prayed and prayed with seemingly no positive movement. Sometimes it seems as though it got worse. Sometimes the child's life seems to be doing worse. And many of these women have seen that. It's important for us to understand that no answer or a slow answer is not an indication that Jesus doesn't care or he doesn't listen. In the city of Rangoon, Burma, resided the largest and finest bell in the entire East. It was the pride of the great Buddhist temple, Shi Dagon. I can't even say it. Shi Dagon, I think it's how you say it. I tried to spell it out. Anyway, during one of the wars, uh, and there were many in that area, the bell was sunk in a river, and it was there over years and years. It was a big, large bronze bell. And over the years, various endeavors were made to raise this bell, uh, this bell up, but they failed. And at last, a clever priest asked permission to try, but with this stipulation, if I get this bell up, I want it put in the temple that I'm in. They said, okay. So this priest had his assistants gather an immense number of bamboo rods. And one by one, they dove down and they fastened these bamboo rods to the bell. Trip after trip, day after day. They were fastening these bamboo rods to this bell. When at last, the last bamboo rod that was needed was attached and buoyancy began to make the bell move. And when the, enough of the rods were attached, finally the bell floated up to the surface. And A.B. Simpson looks at that event. And by the way, the priest got his bell. A.B. Simpson writes of that event this. I love this quote. Faith can lift the heaviest burdens and the highest of mountains. Every whisper of believing prayer is like one of those little bamboo rods. For a time, they seem to be in vain. But there comes a last breath of believing supplication. And lo, the walls of Jericho fell. The mountain becomes a plain and the host of Amalek is defeated. Oh, don't give up. Keep praying. Keep believing. One more part, and this ties in with what I just said. This woman did not waver in her faith in Jesus. Did not waver. 
In worship, the lady makes this beautiful statement to Jesus' statement, I can't feed the bread of the Israelites to the dogs. She said this, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And this reveals how much faith this mother had. And it's the third lesson that we need to learn today, if we can, if we will observe it this morning. She somehow came to the belief that Jesus was so great and so powerful that just the tiniest crumb, just the tiniest portion of his power would be sufficient to heal her daughter. Lord, I don't need you to give everything you are. I just need a crumb of your power. That's all I need. That was her great faith. If I get a crumb, that'll be enough. That'll set my daughter free. Just a little, just a crumb. Just give me that. She didn't address racism there or anything else. All she knew was this was the Lord. And he has more power to spare than she needed. And she said, just give me a crumb of your mighty power. Could this statement of hers be relatable to the statement of Jesus found in Matthew seventeen twenty? If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say that a mountain move from here to there and it move. Nothing will be impossible to her. This mother just knew that Jesus had more than enough capacity, more than enough power to free her daughters. She knew that Jesus was compassionate and he showed it that he loves all people, including dogs. That's the important lesson for us. We have to have faith to receive anything from the Lord. Amen. You have to know you have to know. And I come back to this and I'm going to wrap it up very quickly here. I need you to know that church, and I'm speaking to the church family for a second. Jesus can do anything. I'm not just saying that. I believe it with every fiber of my being. I don't know what you can dream up, but Jesus can do it. There's nothing impossible. There's nothing out of his realm of power. He can set demon-possessed people free. He does. He can do anything. All things. That's his power. That's his ability. That's what he does. In April of 1988, a national evening news story was reported on a photographer who was a skydiver. I I had this experience, just this part of the experience. Two Father's Days ago, my son was good enough to pay for he and I to jump out of a perfectly good airplane two miles above the ground. It was a tandem jump. And some of you are looking at me like I'm nuts, and I understand that. I do. But I'll have to tell you, it was an exciting experience, and I loved it. It's really a surreal moment when you're standing about here, and right there is two miles of air and then the ground way down there. And that was, that was quite an experience. And when, when I jumped, I guess because I was the oldest guy on the trip, the, and I think this guy looked at me and said, oh, he's going to be terrified and he's going to scream like a little girl. I'm going to photograph him. So when I jumped, this man jumped with us. Okay, first the tandem guy, that was important. Glad he came. And then, and, 
And then the, this photographer, and he had a, a, a camera on his head. So he's, we, we float it right down together, and he's waving at me. I'm waving at him, you know, and, and he was shooting me. I'm sure my wrinkly skin was flapping in the breeze. I didn't care. I didn't care. But anyway, that was quite an experience. That's, that's the kind of thing that was happening here. This, this man had jumped out of the plane, and he was filming the group as they fell. And one by one, they began to open their parachutes. And on the film shown on the telecast, shortly after the last skydiver opened his chute, the picture goes chaotic. And it's actually a very tragic piece of film because the news announcer then cut the film and he announced that the cameraman had fallen to his death. It was only after he shot the last person to open uh, his chute that he reached for his ripcord and found that he had carelessly forgotten to put on the parachute. And tragically, nothing could be done for him. A moment of thoughtlessness, a moment of forgetfulness, and it took his life. Nothing was able to save him. You see, his problem was his, his faith was in a parachute that he didn't even have. He put his faith in his parachute and he didn't buckle it on. And Christian, we can talk about having faith in Jesus. And we can take leaps, if you will. But we need to buckle on the faith. And we need to trust in the Lord. Our faith isn't in me or in a church or in a, anything else other than Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen, I've had surgery before. That's a lot of faith. I mean, because you're trusting a doctor to knock you out and, and do a surgery and wake you up again and make you well. I mean, you have no choice but to have faith in that doctor. And sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit saddened when I see Christians. I know he's an invisible God, but he's a very present God. Have faith in him and trust in his ability for you. He can do anything. These are the lessons that I want us to learn from this mother. One of the dogs. Oh, I think Jesus was so pleased. Here's I finished the story because the Bible finishes it for us. I love what happened. When she came out with this statement, Jesus said, woman, you have a lot of faith. You have great faith. And I love these words with these words. He said, your request is granted. I believe with all of my heart when he said those words, that very second, the demon inside of her daughter had to go. I believe she was delivered from those words. Your request is granted. Remember, it's the same God who looked into nothing. And said, let there be. And suddenly stars were in place. So that power said, your request is granted. That demon had no choice but to disappear as fast as he could. Praise God for a great God. Amen. I'm not. We're not playing games with a made up God. He's real. And his power is mind boggling. That's the God you love. That's the God we serve. That's who he is. He sets the captive free.